younger man, I was a, I was, I was a decent athlete. Like I was kind of like middle of the road, most sports. Um, played, played baseball in high school. I loved playing ball in high school. Uh, after high school, when you start to get older, uh, you have to transition, or at least I did, uh, from the smaller, faster ball to the larger, slower, on an arc ball that like dudes with, with dad bods can play uh, called softball. Uh, and I played some pretty competitive softball for a while, and I was on, on this team that I kind of traveled all around the, the southeast region playing ball. And, um, I remember there was this, this particular like, time and, and, and season we were in, and we, uh, we started playing these, these tournaments, and I was in, uh, I think I was in Raleigh, I think is where it was, and man, I was in an awful slump. Like, I had a hit in what felt like months. Like, it was awful. I couldn't, I couldn't get on base, and I was really struggling, and... Um, so we were at this tournament and I developed and this, this affinity for a bat that belonged to a friend of mine. Like the, the bat that I had wasn't legal in whatever tournament we were in. So I started using his bat and I liked it. And uh, so anyway, right in the middle of this huge slump, uh, I, I get a pitch, man, I absolutely smoked this pitch. Like I rocked that ball. And like, I like, hey, finally, like, like slump buster, man. Like I'm out, right? So like, I'm, like, I'm running, I, like, I still got the bat because in softball, you know, you just kind of carry it with you down the line. So like, I'm, I'm running down the line, still got the bat in my hand. And this dude in the outfield, about two feet from the fence, makes this sliding, diving, like MLB catch and robs like what was probably going to be like a triple for me. And uh, man, I was so angry, like just beyond angry. And in frustration, without thinking, like I slammed the bat on the ground, like slammed it, like just threw it. Because when you're mad, unless you slam something or yell or like stomp your feet, unless you do something like, how's anybody else going to know that you're mad, right? So I had to let the world know that my life had just fell to pieces because this dude made a great catch in the outfield. So I slammed the bat. So I, I get back to the dugout, like I'm still fuming, you know? And then my buddy that owned the bat, he's like, hey man, um, if you're gonna slam my bat, how about you just don't use it anymore? And then even, even in like all of my frustration and anger or whatever, like I got, I got snapped back to, oh dang. Like I just did something completely inappropriate, completely wrong. Because when something belongs to you, like, you should still take care of it. Like you should take care, you, you protect and care for and, take, and should <coughs> take care of the things that belong to you. I was using something that belonged to somebody else and forgot. And he, he reminded me real quick that when, when something belongs to you, like that's, there's something different about that. And the reason that I tell you that story is because as followers of Christ, we're in this, this journey, we're in this, this battle, we're in this mission that God has called each and every one of us to, and we're in it together. On, the, on the, the closest level of, of connection and, and, and intimacy and whatever else you want to call it is our local family of faith, what we call Fusion City Church. We are 
if you belong to our church and to our church family, as well as with all of the other churches and all the other Christians and in the world, but, but specifically for us, the church, we're, we're in this thing together. We, we, we belong to one another. Watch, watch how Paul said it. He said it like this in Romans chapter 12, verses four and five. He said, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. That's the church. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And watch this, watch this. And we all belong to each other. But what that means is that, that we have, much like my friend who owned the bat had a responsibility to protect what was his because it belonged to him. So he, he stepped up and, and protected it. Same thing is true for us. All of us who are part of Christ's body, we belong to each other. We have a responsibility then to, to protect one another, to encourage one another, to, to work together as a body works together for the good of the whole. A bunch of years ago now, I had my gallbladder removed, right? And I'm talking to the doctor about this gallbladder surgery that I'm about to have. And I'm like, hey, like, dude, like this ain't like, I don't know, like, this ain't a car. Like you're not putting anything back in. Like you're not swapping out bad part for good part. You're just taking stuff out. Like, don't I need that? Like, don't I need that thing? Like, you just don't be, don't be taking parts out, right? Like, don't take something out and not put something back. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, the body, the body is remarkable. And we take the gallbladder out, which produces bile, helps break down foods and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm not, I don't do medical stuff. I think that's kind of what it does, according to him. He said, no, 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 your body, like other parts of your body will just make up for the gallbladder that we're going to take out. We take these things out all the time. And I was like, man, that's pretty remarkable how the body just takes care of the body. You just take parts out and the rest of the body's like, we, we got this. I like, you don't need that. We'll, we'll, we'll fill in the gaps, right? And that's how it's supposed to work in Christ's body, which is the church. And so today I, I, wanna, I just wanna make the argument for, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you. I hope to, to compel you to, to whatever, whatever measure of relationship you have with the body of Christ now, I, I want you to take it up a step, whatever it is. I, I want all of us in the room to commit together today to, to, to raise our level of involvement with the body of Christ so that the body benefits from you being part of it. Now here at Fusion City Church, we, we put a lot of emphasis, a lot of emphasis on our connect groups because we believe that the best way for you to be connected to the body and to, to fulfill your role and to be the integral part of the, the body of Christ that you're called and designed and charged to be by God is to be part of a, a small biblical community where you trust and love and care for one another. And we do that, we feel best through, through small groups and we call them here connect groups. And so here's, here's your plug, here's your challenge. If you're not part, stop me if you've heard it. If you're not part of a connect group, we want you to be in a group because we believe that that's the best way for you to fulfill your responsibility of belonging to the body. So in, in, in thinking about this and a bunch of years ago, I found this, uh, this explanation for, for how 
the, the dynamics of relationship work between people. And it's something called uh, the Johari window. You can Google it, J-O-H-A-R-I, Johari. It's called the Johari window. And I thought if we can talk about a window, like I should probably have a window. So I made a window. And since we're doing like this Lego theme, I made it look like the Lego window. They don't sell those, so I made it. And so here's, here's what I want us to do. The Johari window has, it works like you guys remember math, like the X and Y axis, y'all remember that? I think we have a picture of it, it looks like this. Um, and so we're gonna take our window and we're gonna make that like the axis that you learned in, what was that, algebra? Uh, so we got like the X axis and the Y axis and each quadrant is a different section, a different way that you have of interacting with other people. And so in the, in the top left quadrant, we have what's known to others and known to self. And then you can, you can read. Uh, unknown to self in the far right, unknown to others in the bottom. And each quadrant represents a different way that you have of interacting with other people. We're gonna walk through all four quadrants today. And I hope that you'll see the need, even according to scripture, of, of for you to have something, some way of interacting with each quadrant of the Johari window. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, so the first quadrant is what is known to self and known to others. We're gonna call that the public self. See, this is, this is where I can see you and you can see me. Like I got the shutters open, like where, like you can see everything that's going, kind of, you can see like most of what's going on with me and I can look through my window and I can see all of you. This is my, this is my public persona. This is what you know and what I know. For a lot of you, this is your social media feed, right? Where you get to like, everybody can just see everything going on with you and you can look at all of your friends and you can see everything that's going on with them. This is, this is your public self. You need a public self. If you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, you can write this down. I need people who, who know me. I, I need to be known by people. Isolation is a terrible, terrible thing. You, you were created and designed to thrive in relationship with people. So you need people who, who know you. You need to be known by people, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12, uh, Solomon, he said this, he said, two people, uh, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three, three is even better because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to be part of a connect group because you need to be known. But in addition to just being part of a group, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna challenge you to be active in your groups, to be consistent in your attendance. That's what builds trust over time. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But we don't want you to just be part of a group. We want you to be active in your groups. We don't want you to be an acquaintance of the group. We want you to be known by the people who are in your groups. Why? Because 
a, a three-corded braid is not easily broken. Two are better than one. They, they can help each other. You, you need some people in your life who, who know you. And I would argue not just people, but Bible people, Jesus people. You need some people speaking into your life. So that's the first quadrant. That's the first picture is the, the public self known by you, but also known by the people outside of you. Now, the second picture, the second quadrant, well, this is the private self. This is what I know that you don't know. This is, this is the private me with my, with my secrets, with the things that I know, where there's information that I know about me that you don't because I keep it behind closed doors. I play those cards close to my chest. This is the, this is the private self, the one with my secrets. But here's what I want you to know about secrets. You need people that know them. I need people who know my secrets. Or better yet, I need people that I trust enough to tell my secrets to. And sometimes that, that takes time. That's why we, we changed our model for groups years ago, where we want you to stay in the same group. As long as you have great relationships in those groups, we don't want you to leave. We want you to stay in that group and build deep abiding relationships with the people in your groups so that there's trust there enough to share the things that matter most. Because here's what I know to be true, that sin grows best in the dark and Satan loves to play around. He loves to play in the, in the areas of secret shame and guilt. That's where he loves to work. He loves to work in the deepest unknowns. The things that you feel like, if I let these things out to the rest of the world, then people are gonna think so poorly of me, I'll never be able to be friends with them again. You need people that you trust enough to let behind the curtain, behind your shutters or blinds. You need people who know your secrets because we are most vulnerable in the places where nobody else knows. And whatever you regret most is probably the thing you need the most help with. When Jesus was speaking in Luke chapter 12, <clears throat> he said this. He said, the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known <clears throat> to all. Whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light and whatever you've whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. There are no secrets with Jesus. And if you have stuff that's eating away at you, that's damaging your relationship with God because you feel shame and you feel regret and you feel guilt and Satan is having a field day in your life with those things, constantly help, uh, causing things to bring them to mind. What, what, however he's working in your life to, to keep those things in front of you, to keep you in shame and to keep you in guilt, 
Jesus said, that stuff's coming out eventually. You might as well deal with it now so that you and I can have a good thing going. The brother of Jesus, James, he said this. He said, confess your sins, James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be, watch this, so, so you can be healed. So, so you can be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous friend has great power and produces wonderful results. So get in a group. Be active, be committed to your group and, and be honest. Be as vulnerable as you are able. Share the things that hurt the most so that those around you can, can pray for you and, and bring healing. That's what James said. That the prayer of righteous people around you, it, it heals. It heals you. And the best way to kill a sin is to drag it into the light. You keep it hidden. And all it's going to do is eat away at you. So be open. There's nothing gained by keeping it. Look, our groups, our groups are, are, are judgment-free zone. There's nothing gained by keeping a secret. Drag that thing out. For a long time, this is a big kind of, I don't know, pet peeve. I don't know what you call it. It's just a, a thing. Of mine. I feel like the church has become a place where people, like, you feel like you got to come in here and put on some kind of facade. Like, that's kind of the church model that I grew up in. Like, you came to church to show everybody how good you were with Jesus. Right? But Jesus, when he was speaking, he said, No, no, no. Like, the, the family of God, this is supposed to be a hospital for sick people. This isn't a museum for fancy, pretty people. This isn't where we come to, to display how awesome we are. This is where we come because we're sick and we need to be healed. That's what the church is called to be. So, so bring your shame and your guilt and your deepest unknowns and the things you most regret and are ashamed of. And let's drag those things into the light so you can deal with them and move past them. But man, you gotta, you, you gotta have some people that you trust to share that much with. So you need a group and you need to be consistent and you need to be there for a while to build that kind of trust. The, the third quadrant is the blind self. This is what all of you know that I don't. You know, when you stand at, if this window was in my house, Aaron, we should, we should put one of these in. Um, I think it's pretty. <clears throat> I work hard on this. Um, if I'm standing at a window in my house, everything that can be seen on the outside of my house, you guys can see. But for me, from where I stand, I have a pretty limited view. I can't see everything that's outside of my house that you can, if you're outside of my house and I'm in. I can see some of it, but I've got a really limited view of what I can see from any window in my house. I can't see the whole outside. So this is what is known to people outside of you that you don't know about yourself. These are things that other people can see in you that you can't see in yourself. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Because you've been to dinner with friends who were probably married. Maybe they even had some kids. And you've watched their kids run all over the place and act like hellions. And you're like, hey, man, like you smack them around a little bit. Like you can see in them what they can't see. Like you can see it. You know, like, hey, if you, you grabbed them by the scruff of the neck once, like maybe this stops. Right, and we can enjoy a meal together, right? 
Or, or maybe, maybe it's the other thing. Maybe it's like, hey, maybe you stop smacking your kids, they might love you. You know, like, I don't know what it is. But, but, but you know what it's like to see something in somebody else that they can't see in themselves. You know, pride is one of the hardest things to see in the mirror. If you're an overly proud person, there's a really good chance you don't know that. But you know who does know it? Something everybody else knows it. We all know. But, but you don't. You see, I need people who are going to be honest with me about me. I, I need people who are going to be honest with me about the stuff they see in me that I can't, that I need to work on. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. It says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Like, I'd rather have a good friend that loves me enough to hurt me by telling me the things I need to work on than a thousand people telling me how great I am and nothing's wrong with me. Real people who really love you, they'll tell you where you need some work. I remember a conversation, it's been, gosh, I bet it's been 15 years and I still remember where we were sitting and how it all played out. I was in my office with a friend who shared an office with me. We were on staff together at a church, a di different church, many, many years ago. And uh, I had a phone call with my wife and I lost my temper because I have a bad temper. And uh, I got off the phone and he said, hey man, can I tell you something? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. He's like, dude, you have a sharp tongue. And it was really difficult for me to be in the room and listen to you talk to your wife that way. I felt completely justified. She had probably done something I thought was dumb. I felt completely justified in how I acted, how I spoke. I couldn't see that I had just completely disrespected my wife, but, but one comment from a friend that loved me and had enough relational capital with me to say, hey dude, that ain't right. And instant, kind of like with the softball bat thing, it instantly snapped back. Like, whoa, hey, dude, you're right. And, and I, said, oh, I had to call and apologize to my, to my wife. It's been 15 years, I still remember, like it was yesterday. I love to tell you that that stuck and I've never said another harsh word to my wife, but I got a temper that Jesus is still trying to iron out of me. I ain't got it all gone yet, but, but I try, but I'm trying to do better. And what I need are, are people. I need, I need other men, other godly men around me saying, hey, dude, Christian men don't talk to their wives like that. And just like I need it because I can't see what's wrong with me in the mirror, you need it too. You need people who are gonna be honest with you. You need people to tell you the things that they can see that you cannot. So here would be my challenge. Get in a group, be active, show up, be committed, be open, be vulnerable. Love in a way that allows you to have the trust in people that you can tell them your secrets and then be receptive to correction. Now, these groups don't do us as much good as they would unless we allow people to speak into our lives and have influence to help us right the ship, to help us to correct the things in our lives that they can see that we cannot. So, so be receptive to the insights and the input and the life experiences of those in your group. 
And the last quadrant, this is a little harder to define or describe, but we're, we're gonna call it the unknown self. This is what is not known to you or to me about me. You, we could also call this the potential self. This is the me that is yet to be. We'll wrap it out. Like, this, is, this is me that hasn't happened yet. All right? This is, this, is, this is what's unknown to me and known to you. This is, my, this is my future potential, my future ability to do something, to do anything. Whatever I'm going to be that is not yet revealed. You don't know it, nor do I know it, but I still need people around me to help me achieve it. If you would have told me 20 years ago that I was gonna be pastoring a church one day, that I'd be standing on the stage and opening the Bible and trying to explain it to other people, I'd have laughed you out of the room. That was the most ridiculous thing you could have ever, ever, ever said to me. But here I stand because there was, because there was a man on staff at a church that challenged me to give God more than he was getting from me at the time. And at the time I was like, I was leading music at the church. Like more, dude, I'm on staff. Like, what, what do you mean more? He's like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I think God wants to you. I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you that God wants more from you than he's getting from you right now. I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that. You do with that whatever God says. That was the conversation that wrecked my world for months as God drugged me kicking and screaming into full-time vocational pastoral ministry. And now I'm, I don't know how many years I've been doing this now, 14, 15, 16, something like that. As the direct result of that conversation, because it was a man that they looked at me and, and, and decided to inspire and challenge and encourage me. And we need those people. You can write this down. I need people who inspire who challenge and who encourage me to be the person that God is calling me to be. They, they inspire the unknown me, the future me, the potential me. I want people around me that love me and care for me. And if God is calling me to something crazy, they're like, hey man, you can do it. Like I, I, need, I need cheerleaders and so, so do you. The writer of Hebrews, he said it like this. He said, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to, to motivate one another to acts of love and, and good works. And let's not neglect our, our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So here's my challenge to you. Get in a group. We got signups at the hub. You can grab one. We'll get you in a group. Get in a group. Be committed. Be active. Show up. Participate. Be vulnerable. Be open. Share your secrets as soon as you feel like you have enough trust in the room to do so. Listen and receive the insights from the people who are part of that group. Leverage their life experience to benefit your own. 
and then be that encouraging, inspiring, challenging voice to others to help them realize the fullest potential of who God is leading and calling and challenging them to be. Be part of the body. In every single part, facet, function of our lives, the public self, the one that everybody can see, you need people who know you. In that private self, now you need people who you can tell your secrets to and who know the things that you're most ashamed of. You need people to tell you what's on the outside of your window that they, that they can see that you cannot. And your blind self needs to be told the things that need to be corrected. And then the unknown future potential you. You need people around you that are encouraging, inspiring, and challenging you to be all that God is calling you to be. So, gosh, what would be a really good practical application for this sermon? You need a group. If you're not in a group, you need a group. Like I got work and I got this and we got games and we got dance and we got whatever. And you know, I, I get it, man. I get it. I do. We are, we are busy people, my wife and I, my kids, my family. We're busy. But for us and groups of priority, we have moved things around to make group happen because I need, I, me, this, this is selfish, selfish. I, I need people who know me. I need people who know my secrets. I need people with enough relational clout in my life to call me on my crap. And I need people to inspire the future better version of me that doesn't exist yet. I need it, so do you. You need a group. Whatever you gotta do to make that happen, you need to do it. Don't take my word for it. We heard from Solomon, we heard from Paul, we heard from Jesus, we heard from James. All of them said, you need a group, kind of. <laughs> Take a little liberty with the text. You need people around you. We wanna help you get there. So before you leave today, if you're not in a group, stop by the hub, grab a connect group card, fill it out. We will do the absolute best we can to get you in a group they start not, they start next Sunday? Yep, next Sunday. Groups are starting next Sunday. Uh, we have a group on Sunday that meets next Sunday. That's the start of our next Connect Group session. We have groups to meet throughout the rest of the week. We can, we, we'll do the best we can to get you in a group before they start in a week. We'll do what we can. But let, you gotta let us know. If you're not, you need one, all right? Let's pray together. Father, God, today I, I hope and I pray that as we look at all of these different parts of our life where we need people speaking into us, God, I pray that you would leverage conviction where it needs to be leveraged this morning, that God, we would, for all of us who need to take that next step, that next iteration into what you're calling us to, God, I pray that you compel us to, to do whatever we got to, to make this a priority in our lives because God, we, I believe that it's a priority to you you created us as relational people because we, we 
thrive in relationship because you built us that way. You built us that way so that we would thrive in a relationship with you. And then God, that just continues right into our earthly relationships as well. We are the best version of us in relationship with others and all of us working together to strengthen our relationship with you. Father, I thank you that you loved us enough to want relationship with us so much that you would give us your son, Jesus, that would cover the penalty of our sins so that we who are imperfect could once again have the opportunity to be in relationship with you because of what you've given us through Jesus, your son. God, it is in his name that I pray. Amen and amen.